podcast on Florida education issues. This is Marlene Sokol, and I am privileged to be here with Debbie Cook, the Chief Academic Officer for the Hillsborough County Public Schools. In a minute, she will be speaking about a literacy audit that Hillsborough County commissioned from a consulting firm to try and get a better handle on reading and writing in the Hillsborough schools. As the Times has reported, there are a lot of students in the district who are not reading at grade level. Many are reading at level one, which is the lowest of five. And uh, as Jeff Akins, the superintendent, wrote in a preamble to this report, the ability to master reading, writing, and fundamental skills that make up literacy is what enables all other learning our students will do during their time with us. So this was a very important report. The district did not have to do this. They took the initiative to do this to, to try and improve learning in the schools. So I got a copy of the report. My takeaway is that it points up some inconsistencies, inconsistencies in methods from school to school, from the area of the district to area of the district. It reflects that there is a need for some more complex texts and more culturally relevant reading materials, although there is a lot of curriculum, uh, plenty to go around. But it also pointed up a lack of equity. Some schools had better materials than others. Um, interestingly, I, I should add that, that the report also went into uh, results of reading assessments from the state and found that although Hillsborough does have a lot of level one readers. This problem is by no means limited to Hillsborough. They found some other large districts that were as bad or worse, Polk County, Orange County, and Duval County. I'll also add that Duval County in recent years has uh, given Hillsborough a run for the money as far as having large numbers of schools on the state's low reading list. Du Duval is, is pretty much in a similar situation to Hillsborough. But getting back to the report, it also highlighted the fact that there were teaching vacancies last year, which caused reading coaches to work as substitute teachers. So they were not doing what they were hired and trained to do. It also pointed up some disparities in teacher training. Um, teachers of typical students, they felt pretty good about their training, but that was not so much the case for teachers of English language learners and special education teachers. Now, I know the district has already taken some steps to, to improve the situation, but I, I want to throw it over to Ms. Cook. Was there anything in the report that surprised you? Um, I, I think with this report, um, it confirmed some things that we felt like as a district um, team that we needed to work on. Um, I think the fact that our teachers are working so hard to be able to find the right materials, the right methods, and the right way to do things um, was very clear in the report. And it's our duty really as the district to be able to um, purchase those materials for them, get feedback from them, and make sure that we are supporting our teachers um, in the way they should be treated and uh, supported. So, uh, and they interviewed, I believe, more than 2,000 mm -hmm. employees, uh, mostly teachers, but also administrators, coaches. 
would this be a good thing? Would this would this be encouraging in and of itself that that you sought their opinion? Absolutely. What was incredibly important to us when we started this process was to have the voice of of every stakeholder um, in the district to be able to get that um, third party view. Um, sometimes when we're so close to it, we we'll hear different things and there's different methods and different ways of doing things and everyone's trying to find the right answer. And we know that this topic uh, in particular is complicated. Um, Actually, Marlene, that was the reason why last semester I um, took some time and taught an ELA block for a half a year from January to to May um, because I myself wanted to go back into the classroom to try to figure out um, what everyone was talking about in, in regards to materials and, and um, difficulty of making sure that we meet the needs of every learner. And um, teaching is a very difficult job, as we all know. That's what I started as. And um, it's during these times and what our teachers have to do and be able to do gets complicated. And we don't also want to um, minimize the art of teaching, what teachers do that's magical and artful every day to reach their learners. And so how do we as a district support it? And that's really the purpose of this um, literacy review is to figure out how we can do that. Now, you were at Kimball Elementary School, which is one of the achievement schools. And and I know you learned a lot from that experience, but are there any examples of things that that you realized being back in the classroom that you're now able to take to, to this work? That that's a great question. Uh, I learned a lot. I think one of the things that um, we all know as educators is that connectivity with students is first and foremost, building that relationship with them and that rapport. And in doing so, that you're able to kind of reach each student based on the needs of their, um, you know, what they need. I think a lot of a lot of times, too, we look at um, kids come with many different things that they need help with. And it's not just curriculum and what we need to teach, but also wraparound services. Um, and so it, it was the best decision I made to go teach, to be able to do that. Um, I think what's also difficult is seeing how much we have to teach in a short amount of time and the depth we have to teach it. Um, that's also difficult. So it's trying to find all the different methods and ways to be able to get kids um, to understand and learn what it is you're trying to teach them at the high standards that every kid kid deserves. So um, that's that was huge to take back is how do we incorporate some more hands-on pieces? We have some legislation with dyslexia. So how do we take these best practices to almost make a one-stop shop? Um, and that's what you'll see also in the report is how do we embed those ESC strategies, ELL strategies, Um, and other best practices that we know teachers are doing, but how do we now get that feedback and and be able to incorporate it into... So so just to try and restate what I'm (laughs) hearing... No, no, what I'm hearing you say, and and particularly in a school such as Kimball or any school, is as a teacher, you are dealing with, number one, the students' many different types of needs, whether it is academic, whether it is medical, whether it is behavioral, you know, and then you're dealing with the pacing, the fact Mm -hmm. that the state expects them to master this standard by this Mm -hmm. date, take a test. So, and and then everything in between. So, yeah. So at the very least, this helped you to understand what teachers go through every day. I think, too, because, uh, again, 
honestly, having not been in the classroom for a while and taught during this particular time frame, it's also realizing, you know, following guides, following the curriculum, which are very helpful, but also figuring out how you manage that, find the right types of materials and messages and things that relate to your kids while doing that. And that's that's the art of teaching, and that's what our teachers have to do every day, which is time-consuming. Now, the, I know there are some steps the district has already taken um, to build stronger readers. I, I got to witness the EL curriculum at yes. Forest Hills, and I, I've heard mixed reviews on that. It, it went, It's going very well at Forest Hills. Mm-hmm. Other schools, you know, maybe they're adjusting to it a little bit more. But right. what, what are some other things that or other things that, that you know of that the district is already doing to try and get better reading instruction? There's, um, there's a couple other things that we're doing. We have really great reading, which is a phonics piece that we added this year based on a pilot from two schools before that we've introduced as well. Um, in addition, we have uh, reading recovery, which is very specific strategies that we have um, at two schools right now that really look at those specific strategies to have kids that are maybe be, come to us behind in reading, how we get um, the most effective strategies um, so that they can grow quicker and get caught up. Um, those are, are two big things. We've also purchased um, culturally relevant materials and pieces for our achievement schools for those libraries as well. Um, I'm also glad, Marlene, that you brought up the piece with um, EL curriculum. And and I know there are some schools that are also using different resources and curriculum as well. Um, What is really good is this time for us to be able to take a look at what's working well in our schools and maybe some things that aren't working as well or... Um, how things are being utilized to be able to inform us of our next really adoption for ELA, which would be when the new standards come in June and then that following year. So it's taking stock in everything that's working that our teachers are know that are working um, and having that continuous feedback loop with them to be able to bring all of this together to ensure that we are delivering the best materials to them. One feature of EL, and you and I have spoken about the difference between reading and literacy. Literacy is much broader. Mm -hmm. It includes writing. Um, And one thing that came through in the survey, there was mention of how reading is taught separately from writing. Mm -hmm. Now, in EL, they go back and forth between the two. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the importance of that. Why, Why... why should reading and writing be taught together to, to be effective? So, and, and even in our current so uh, guides that we've renewed with that, we heard that as well. So when we look at our um, current uh, instructional guides from, from the department, we've brought those together too. What's difficult, well, one, the importance of reading and writing is they go hand in hand. <laughs> the reading is the... Uh, but people might not that. understand that, so right. can you can you explain why that's the case? It's really, and it's also speaking and listening. Okay. It's just the art form of communication is okay. really what it is, is. Are you able to read and comprehend information and then obviously make considerable arguments or your um, thoughts through written language, through speaking, through um, different art forms as well. So they, they are taught together. What's interesting um, within our current structure of testing as well is you have within our reading test for the state of Florida um, that piece that's based obviously on reading with multiple choice and those pieces. 
within that testing period, there is a separate writing piece that is specifically taking text um, for two to three uh, different um, passages or articles or pieces where then students have to take that information and be able to either create an opinion or um, inform. In so it's two different ways of testing. Um, within our reading and writing blot, you do, and the same with EL, have to explicitly teach writing, just like you explicitly teach how to read. So it's how those two things go together. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. The study, um, what happens next? I understand, ha have they observed the classes yet, or are they doing that now? Yeah, so um, the next step is to um, take a look at uh, the written curriculum. So phase one is the perception data, and um, which is through our surveys and through our focus groups. Uh, the next pieces are they look at a rubric for our written curriculum, and then you're absolutely right now they're in the classrooms. Um, as well, observing um, ELA blocks, English language arts blocks in our elementary schools. So they'll, and then at some point they'll come back with a second report and recommendations. Correct. Correct. And how does this come together with the work that you had a literacy advisory group that was meeting? Are the, are those two efforts coming together? Yes. So what we wanted to do um, with the advisory group is we looked at research-based uh, practices. Um, we felt like the literacy review at this point in, in time was one of the most important things to kind of hold that mirror up to say, what are we missing? What, what is the perception out there? How are we making sure we're, we're really enhancing what we're doing or um, making things better? In this particular report, the report is saying that we need to take a look at our K-12 comprehensive reading plan, which that's in our initial advisory groups. Yeah. That's what we did. They're saying to basically take this part of the report, too, and re-take a look at our K-12 reading plan and say, how can we refocus um, some of those pieces or um, obviously take the findings in this report and apply it to that? So we'll marry the two together based on this. One last question. I mean, this is very, I'm not going to say narrow, but this is very specific. It's looking at curriculum. It's looking at classroom practices. Mm -hmm. There are so many other factors that affect whether people read. Uh, just yes. starting with the fact that every child has an electronic device in their hand by the time they're <laughs> two years old and, and so forth and so on. There are a lot of reasons out there why children may not just naturally pick up a book and read for pleasure. Um, what are some things that you think that we could be doing as a society? I mean, beyond just what's happening in this building, the school district headquarters, what can we do to, to, to raise better readers? The number one thing I think that we can all do, and that's a great question, is um, really instill that love of reading and reading at an early age, very, very early. I know we're working with our pre-K um, and our um, voluntary pre-K programs, but even way, way before that, um, just naturally reading to your to your child, going to the library. We have access with Mayan just to foster the love of reading and make that part of um, a routine to get uh, them interested in, in reading. That's the biggest connectivity and the biggest piece to see is, is how do we foster that and how are we obviously in a technological world um, 
doing that. And that's more access to books um, and materials that just do that, not just books, recipes, um, letter writing, all of those things uh, can help foster that love of reading, um, especially using topics and things that your child is really interested in. That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to put in your views on what you think about Hillsborough County's reading issues and reading in general, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, where you can put your comments right underneath the post where this podcast will be. If you want to keep up on the latest in Florida education breaking news, please continue to visit our blog at www.tampabay.com gradebook. Keep an ear open for another podcast we'll be doing later this week with Rob Crete, the president of our area's largest teachers union, also from Hillsborough County. He'll be talking about Governor Ron DeSantis' latest proposal to increase Florida's minimum teacher salary to $47,500 a year. That should be coming up later this week, so please don't miss it. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks so much for listening.